and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Marie Albajez at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Today, I am so thrilled to be joined by Jennifer Bugelman's Groupon's Chief Communications Officer. In this episode, we're discussing Jennifer's career journey to the C-suite, her ongoing efforts to build a more inclusive and diverse team, and her advice for landing an executive level position in retail. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So let's jump right in. Um, As Chief Communications Officer, I'd love for you to tell us just a little bit more about what your day-to-day responsibilities are at Groupon. Absolutely. Um, So my mandate's pretty broad. Um, I'm really tasked with kind of creating our voice, making sure that I've synthesized all the perspectives, you know, kind of the brand persona into everything that we say, every audience that we touch. Um, and so if you, if I think about like the audiences that I, um, that I generally communicate with, again, it's pretty broad. So everything from investor relations to public relations, to our internal communications, our employees around the world, and also social responsibility. And so it's a really great opportunity to kind of amplify messaging, amplify um, our our world perspective, amplify our um, kind of business objectives throughout all the different audiences that I touch. And what's interesting is that, you know, this type of role has certainly changed over the past, you know, 10, 20 years, because as you know, every audience kind of is listening to what other conversations you're having with everyone else. And so everything that I'm doing is really, really connecting, connected. And so when I think about, um, you know, the opportunity to have impact, it kind of creates this beautiful kind of operatic communication where when it's really flowing and you, you hear your employees kind of echoing kind of the conversations that you're having with investors and other kind of um, important um, audiences, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rewarding. So it's a very connected role, um, but it's very broad. So no, no day is ever, no two days are ever the same. Let's, let's just say that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the audience has changed and they've also changed how they're being reached, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different platforms to reach the audience now. So I imagine that your job is very busy and time consuming in that aspect. Yeah. We always, I always tease like some of the younger members on my team and I tell them how we used to do press releases and, you know, and now it's, you know, I'm having conversations, Hey, should, should we do TikTok? You know, it's sure we can do TikTok and I'm just getting caught up with tweeting, but sure. Let's do TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I remember the days when police started posting press releases directly on Facebook. And as a journalist, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you learned how to do this trade. Walk mm-hmm. me through a little bit of your career. I know you weren't always in retail. No. So, you know, how did you get to where you are today and how did you learn the skills that you use today? Yeah, I mean, so my path has been, I would say, non-traditional. <laughs> I actually started off early in my career as an institutional kind of equity and fixed income. Uh, I worked on a sales desk. And I always like to say that what that taught me was how to build relationships. And if you think about communicating, if you think about what I'm doing today, at the core of it is is a relationship, whether it's a one-on-one relationship with folks that you're trying to influence, or if it's, you know, kind of a broader spectrum relationship with your audiences, it's all about nurturing 
um, your audiences. It's all about nurturing your team. And so my early career in um, sales actually really was a great foundation for that. Um, but you know, as, uh, people do, I got tired of getting up at, uh, four o'clock in the morning to kind of do morning calls. And so, um, I thought to myself, how can I parlay my skills, which were kind of building relationships and understanding of the stock market, but really being a good communicator, a good writer, how can I parlay that into something broader that, um, would allow me to build a, a, a career that could, could last. And investor relations was kind of a cottage industry at that time. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, 2000, not to date myself, but, um, but you know, a lot of um, financial regulations and kind of government, new government rules were coming about. And so it was a great time to kind of figure out how can I leverage those skills to help companies do a better job of communicating. And from there, I just thought I was pretty thoughtful about amassing kind of this broader skill set because I knew eventually what I wanted to do was to become kind of this broader communicator, a person who could own the voice of a company. And so I just, I started putting together the pieces, you know, I went from kind of learning how to specialize in, you know, um, high science. So that taught me that I could in fact learn a skill that I hadn't been formally educated on. I then kind of worked only with very small companies that taught me that I could have a seat at the table with CEOs and CFOs. I worked at a crisis communications agency, and that taught me that I could handle anything that was going to come my way. And only then did I feel like I was really ready to move in-house. And then I took on my first role with Etsy and kind of built uh, that investor relations program and communications program kind of from the ground up. So it's been... Um, non-traditional, but a path forward that for me, as I look back, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. How did you know, like when the next skill set to build was coming? I mean, you know, yeah. going, going from, from brand to brand, going from job to job, like, how did you know when that was the right time and that you felt like you've, you amassed enough skills to be like, okay, that's, that's gotten me a little bit closer to my goal of being that master communicator. How do you know what's next? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think part of it is a little bit of intuition, right? And as you get older, you get better at timing that. The other part is that, you know, early in my career as well, I was really good at networking and kind of just building relationships with people. And so um, I think that people who have been in my network, people who have been supporters or just advocates for me, they've, they've often recognized that it was time for me to take on a new opportunity even before I went out and proactively kind of found one. So a lot of um, opportunities have come to me by way of my network. So for example, with Etsy, there was no formal recruiter process there. This was a role that was um, very much, uh, there were a lot of folks who were very interested in that role. It came to me, it came in, it, I received an inbound based upon some relationships that I'd had with some former clients. And when the CFO of Etsy was looking for a, um, an inter a new internal person, I, my name kind of crossed her, uh, the transom for her. And so what I would say is that, um, you know, part of it was, yes, I felt like I'd mastered whatever skills I was tasked with, um, running at a certain agency or what have you. But the other part was that I have been lucky to be surrounded by a, um, kind of a, a cohort, a group of people who um, sometimes have more belief in me than I've even had in myself. I mean, that I'll tell you a little story, that particular um, 
CFO at Etsy, she used to call me an athlete. She would tell me, you know what? I know I can put you in any role and you're going to flourish. I mean, at one point she appointed me to run FP&A and I don't have a formal finance background, but it was such a wonderful experience and it really helped me understand the business from the inside out. Um, and so it, it's been so gratifying to have people around me who believe in me so much. And so, you know, to your point about how did I go from here to there? Yes, it was my own self kind of determination. Yes, it was, you know, my own hard work but it absolutely was the village of people that I had surrounding me and supporting me. So how do you nurture those relationships? I mean, you mm -hmm. said yourself, like you, you've become kind of this master communicator. You've sounds like you've always been good at networking. How did you, how did you develop those skills? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Okay. So first of all, I would never call myself a master communicator. I think I'm very good at communicating, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because, and, and I'll just, go back early in my life, I'm actually the oldest girl of seven kids. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a large kind of family unit, and my father has a large extended family as well, you actually, it, I became really adept at navigating relationships and building relationships. And frankly, again, when there's seven kids in a family, you have to kind of uh, build consensus, let's say, if you ever want to get anything done. And so kind of the core of my personality and the way I show up in the world is one where I'm not afraid to take charge, but I also want to make sure that everyone is um, kind of having their needs met because, you know, that type of relationship is one which will uh, be fruitful for both sides, you know, of the table. And so what I would say is in terms of how I built my network is I recognize uh, at an early age what it meant to show up for someone and I show up for my network. So people in my network know that they can count on me. And if I ask them for something, they, I know that I can count on them. And so I've just been very thoughtful about the type of person, the type of people, whether they're professional relationships or friendships that I surround myself with. And I'm very um, judicious with my time. And so I will spend time on uh, nurturing relationships and folks who are in my network and, and folks who are in the networks of others. If, if, if I'm told this is a person who's important to me, I make time for them but I don't spend a lot of time on extraneous things. I'm very focused in terms of how I build my network and I'm very purposeful and intentional with who I spend time with and who I develop relationships with. So you're able to almost kind of filter out what's really important in building those relationships. Yeah, and that's gonna sound far more Machiavellian than I intended to. <laughs> um, it's just that, I guess what I would say at the end of the day is that people who are important to me, they're no, they know they're important to me. I'm very distinct in how I nurture relationships with people who are really important to my life. And, and I don't want it to sound as though the only people who are important to my life are those who can do something for me, because that's certainly not the case. But I am very intentional because I recognize, and I recognized early in my life that the most important commodity that you have is time. And so I spend it really wisely. Yeah. So let me ask you this, mm -hmm. when you're building your team, you know, at Groupon or, you know, your previous roles, how do you apply that? You know, what do you look for in candidates when you're building and nurturing your team? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think that it varies, right? I mean, it depends on what the role is. It depends on where my team is, but ultimately I'm looking for someone who. Um, number one, wants to be there every day. I mean, a big part of 
why I love working at Groupon so much is my team. And, and, you know, just like everyone else, you know, sometimes the day that you, you, you look at your calendar and you're thinking, Ugh, this is going to be a little bit of a slog of a day. But what gets me through is that I wouldn't want to do this slog with anyone else. I really, really adore my team. And so it's been a great opportunity to kind of have impact in their lives and allow them to impact my life. And so when I'm looking at other, to bring on other folks, you know, obviously I look at kind of functional skills, but I also look at how will this person kind of um, fit into the mosaic of our team? You know, how will they, how will they add to the team? But even more importantly, what will they be able to take away from, from the team? Because I think that's equally as important, not just what someone can do for you, but what you can do for them. I think it's interesting as well, um, as I've kind of gotten older, um, one of the things that I kind of recognize is though you have to be careful because that's a very kind of fine line. You don't always want someone who looks exactly like your team, right? Because then all of a sudden you're kind of marginalizing other groups that may not kind of fit the mold. And so I would also say that it's very individual. You know, every time I meet with a candidate, I think about will they be successful on this team? Will they find joy in what they're doing? Will they um, be accretive to our kind of pro productivity and our output? But also, you know, are they going to want to be here every day? And so there's a lot of kind of soft skills that I'm assessing beyond functional skills. Yeah. And I love all of those questions did, were not related to you at all. They're not, yeah. you're not asking, you know, how will this candidate benefit me? You're looking yeah. at how are they going to be successful? How are yes. they going to move up the ladder? I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, that, that to me is the biggest kind of uh, harbinger of future success is if, if someone's going to feel like they're contributing, if someone's going to feel like they have impact, they're going to want to work as hard as they can. And then you get them past that, knowing that they're going to have their own personal success. Then it becomes like this amazing kind of team feeling of like, gosh, we are winning together, right? This is so fun. This, we're having a great time. We're working, you know, incredibly hard to get to our goals, but we are winning together. And it feels like a collective win, which is yeah. It's great. Yeah, that feeling of success when you see someone else succeed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I know I see you posting a lot on LinkedIn about building a diverse and inclusive culture. Um, I know that you're the, the executive sponsor of Groupon's Black and Allies Employee Resource Group. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you say, you know, on LinkedIn that you're kind of committed to discussing bias with your team on a monthly basis, which I think is so cool and so important. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, so I think kind of taking a step back, one of the biggest things for me has always been to kind of um, set the tone from the top and normalize that this is a conversation, you know, that is not only okay to have we need to be having these conversations. And, you know, as a black woman of a certain age, I definitely recognize when these conversations were very uncomfortable and it wasn't something that you talked about. So I set the tone and, you know, kind of get everyone kind of comfortable with a subject that some find inherently uncomfortable. And so kind of just normalizing that if, if there is discomfort, that's okay, because that means that we're learning and we're understanding and we're building bridges that didn't exist before. And so again, you know, growing up in an industry that wasn't always as welcoming to people of color, especially women of color, um, you know, particularly within Wall Street, 
you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about. You know, I love it now that when I look around, you know, my team or just, you know, whether I'm meeting with investors or reporters, I love the diverse kind of collection of humanity that I see. And I know that we've all worked hard, you know, whether you're a woman, whether you're, you know, from an underrepresented community, you've worked hard and kind of um, normalizing the fact that you have a voice that may, that may um, kind of speak a different sort of truth, right? And so I just kind of have made that kind of front and center, you know, if you want to talk about something, it's okay to be uncomfortable in the workplace. And so then because of that, I do make space for others on my team to kind of prioritize DEI types of initiatives, but I'm always very focused on making sure that it's connected to our business objectives. Because then it's easy to kind of prioritize time and resources, and it also um, allows us to have impact while kind of taking on some of these, um, you know, what people may have siloed into kind of a DEI initiative, it becomes just kind of a flat out initiative. Um, and so we have taken the lead, um, for example, we sit actually kind of interestingly for our communications team, we actually sit within the finance organization at Groupon. So, you know, this is something that we we wanted to pilot a few programs. And so I opened up bandwidth for my teams to kind of lead those programming. Um, social responsibility reports to me. So that kind of gives us an inherent business reason and, and an opportunity to discuss it. And then, of course, as communicators and as people who kind of have our pulse on what's going on externally, you know, our finger on the pulse there, that is, um, there are things that just kind of pop up in normal conversation and I make space to kind of discuss them and make sure that people are okay with what's happening in the external world, what's happening in the macro environment and thinking through like how, how, if at all, should we be internalizing this and, and, and maybe leveraging it to kind of create some impact within Groupon, create some impact within our merchant community, our consumer community, et cetera. And so, you know, I think again, normalizing it as a conversation topic, but making sure that it's also related to our business objectives has been a way that has allowed me to kind of keep that perspective front and center. Yeah. So give us some, some practical advice. I mean, it sounds like yeah, you're not just kind of cherry picking when you want to talk about <laughs> DEI with your team, right? So like normalizing that conversation, like how do you, is there like a line that you, you start with, with your team? How do you kind of make sure that your team is constantly in communication about this kind of thing? For, for any listener who's like, you know, really trying to, to implement this more into their day-to-day -day with their team. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm trying to think about like a, the programmatic aspect of it. I mean, um, I approach kind of relationships with my team very programmatically. So we have, you know, with my direct reports, we have a weekly meeting. I have, you know, kind of weekly stand-ups with different kind of functional areas. And then I also do skip levels with everyone on my team, um, at least monthly. Um, and we also have a global team. So there's lots of touch points for us to kind of build relationships and to have conversations. But if, you know, again, because one of the things that I follow is, you know, or I manage is public relations. So if there's ever anything that's kind of happening in the world, there's lots of touch points for me to kind of bring it up with our, with our team. And I will just ask people because I'm a very direct person. Did you hear about such and such, you know? Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, um, you know, when there were a lot of social protests, we talked about it very frankly. And I just wanted to make sure that number one, everyone was okay. Number two, that everyone was processing, you know, what was happening in the world 
um, in, in an okay manner. And number three, I just wanted to make sure that there was nothing, or, or it, I wanted to ascertain if there was anything that we needed to do from a, um, you know, kind of internal communications perspective, you know, again, because we, we manage employee communication. So I don't, I, unfortunately, I don't think that there's kind of a one size fits all approach to how you discuss this, but I think just kind of leading with an open heart and true interest and in making sure that people's perspectives are, have the, there's space for people's perspectives and that we can talk about what's happening in the world and how it impacts us, not only as employees, but as human beings. I kind of just lead with that first. Yeah. And just having a leader who is willing to have a conversation and say like, you probably saw what's happening on the news. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. How do you feel? Like that's so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I try to, you know, build relationships with my um, team the way that I build relationships with anyone else I care about. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I care deeply about the folks who are on my team and I'm always interested in um, everyone's perspective. And so I try to marry those two together. Yeah. So you've given a lot of advice, I think, (laughs) tangentially within this conversation, but I'm wondering if you have kind of one other piece of advice for, for women who are hoping to eventually land kind of an executive level position in retail. I mean, you've had a very lengthy career. You've Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about how you've kind of amassed that skill set. So any advice for someone who's really reaching for that C-suite position? Sure. I mean, I think there are a, a couple of things that um, that are kind of for any kind of um, role in, in any kind of industry, but then kind of specific to retail. So the first thing is that, you know, as a, as a woman, I would just say, especially within retail, which has historically, you know, been a little bit more dominated by men, I would just say, don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Um, I think that a lot of times, you know, I, I encourage folks on my team, hey, if you feel like you're, you know, either, you know, not being recognized or compensated or, or any anything of that nature, ask for what you want. Don't, you can't be afraid to be told no, though. That's the only thing because, you know, and it's important to remember that just because you're told no today, that doesn't mean no tomorrow. So I would definitely say, you know, kind of just asking for what you want, putting it out there, you know, and um, you know, making it clear what your objectives are is really important. Um, but I would also say, particularly within retail, is that you have to figure out your connection to your brand. I think that that's really, really important, you know, because you have to kind of feel this visceral connection to the brand and its identity. And for me personally, that's also led to how can I have impact? Any role that I take on, I have to have a seat at the table. I have to then, that seat at the table can't just be as a spectator. I have to have the opportunity to have impact. And when you tie that to, um, you know, the connection to the brand identity, it's a really powerful driving force that not only allows you to really stay focused on what your personal and your team's objectives are, but also just kind of grounded in the success of the company, because, you know, you are very connected to it's not only um, business progress, but also the impact that it's having on the world. Um, the other things, you know, they're, they're maybe a little bit more general, but I would say um, asking for mentorship is something that, and, and help that sometimes women don't do as effectively as I think they should. You should ask for people's help. People want to help you. And when they are vested in helping you, they want to see you succeed. 
And that is just a, um, it's, it's a, it's, it's fuel for you. It, it is definitely fuel. And then the other thing that I would just say is that I've always said that there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's all about integration. And so making sure that as a woman, because sometimes I feel like we're pulled in a thousand different directions and maybe everyone is, but I've only experienced this as a woman. So you're pulled in a thousand different directions and, you know, making sure that when you do have that downtime, we say at Etsy, pay back your personal debt, meaning that, you know, take care of the things that you need to, to feel whole so that you can show up as a human, knowing that, you know, there are going to be other times where you have to skew much more towards, you know, uh, your professional responsibilities, make sure that you're kind of integrating all the needs of your life. Um, yeah, those would be my kind of top tips. Um, you know, you can, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. If you want some other personalized tips, I'm always here to help. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I love that about, you know, filling your bucket when you have that time, uh, and integrating, you know, work and life. It's not, you're right. It's not work-life balance. It's not life work balance. It's the integration of the two and marrying the two. So I love that. Well, Jennifer, we are out of time, but thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to, to seeing more advice on LinkedIn. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com slash apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.